0: Man, so good to worship with you guys today. Isn't the worship team just phenomenal? As always, but you know, in in the room is so much, so much more. Listen, uh, we got some business to take care of first and foremost before this begins. So I'm going to ask Pastor Karen to come up, Casey, her husband, to come up. and I'm actually going to ask Pastor Mike and Pastor Andy to come up as well. Um, so I don't know, if you haven't met her yet, this is Karen Graves, who is our children's and family pastor. And this is her husband, Casey, who supports her in her work. I don't know what you do. Um, he's a physician. He's an ER physician. Um, but listen, I don't know if you know this, but Karen's pregnant. Um, yeah, we're excited about that. Um, <laughs> those are not big cheers. <laughs> those are not but there was the big cheers. Listen, Karen has done an amazing job over this last season in moving our kids' programs into digital, building a phenomenal team, and we're excited for her to continue to build her team, um, which is going to happen in the next 24, 48 hours. It could happen now. About 10 seconds. No, maybe not. So it's going to happen pretty soon. So this is the last time we're going to see Karen for a little while because we want her to make sure she makes good use of her maternity leave and takes time um, to to get to know this new team member that's coming in. So what we thought we'd do is we'd pray over the couple today and um, we just want to ask you to join us, if you will. Let's bow our heads today. God of grace, we are so thankful for um, Casey and for Karen and for what's coming and Lord, you have seen fit to bless them with a child, and we know they're gonna be phenomenal parents. So Lord, as they go into this next season of their lives, the next journey that they're on, we ask that you bless them, you keep them safe, Um, You you just give them an incredible experience through this whole time, Lord. May we be a community that supports and is anxious to see them back again when um, the time is appropriate. But Lord, thank you for not just the work that Karen and her team have done, but Lord, thank you for the, the life that she brings to the staff, she brings to this church that both her and Casey bring and for the life that now is coming into this world. Lord, we ask that you bless it and you protect it and you grow us all. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. <sighs> like I, I, love, I love people who are about to have their first kid because there's this mix that you don't get in life very often. It's, it's joy and fear at the same time, right? You're lucky to have that. Um, but, you know, this has been a long season, and while God has been really faithful and really good, as Janelle was saying during the worship, there's, there's been a lot. So I thought maybe before we kind of really begin and jump into it, we can take a moment to really recognize all that we've lost, because there's been a lot of loss that has happened over this season, and our hearts go out to those who have lost, those who—because um, we know somebody— Or we know somebody who knows somebody who's lost someone to either this pandemic or just this season. And so I thought maybe we could do 15, 20 seconds of of just a moment of silence and I'll bring us out in prayer. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Lord of mercy, you've been with us through all that we've experienced through these last months and year. You never left, you never leave. And Lord, the loss that we feel, you feel 10 times greater, 100 times greater. So we thank you for your presence in the midst of that. We thank you for the hope that comes through the sacrifice you made through Jesus. And we are grateful for the care that you continually give through the community that you've put together here. So Lord, may we be that hope, may we be that care, may we be that mercy. Be with those who are hurt. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So um, we put up about 420 chairs, just so you know. There's about 300 of you that registered, and I think pretty much all of you came. Thanks for that. Um, we used to stick 670 chairs in this room and pack you guys together like sardines. I know it's hard to believe, huh? I was on a plane yesterday, and even planes are different, right? You know, Southwest, you, I got in the C group in Southwest, which is punishment, that's really all it is. And, you know, there's always been that walk of shame where you're almost the last person on the plane and there's only middle seats. And as you walk through, you know, it used to be that people would, like, try to not catch your eye or catch your eye and look really weird. Like, hmm don't sit here. And now there's fear in their eyes when you're coming in. You know, because you can only see this much and they look like, not you, you may be the one. Don't sit here. And so I sat down, I sat next to these two guys. One who, but they were both a lot bigger than I thought they were. And I'm a pretty big guy, too. So I sat down, and you could tell we're all like, okay. Because now there's a whole new situation with personal space, right? We are not going to touch each other. And so I sit down, and you know, one guy's big, huge shoulders. The other guy had big, huge shoulders. And so I'm not that big, but I'm sitting like this. But the, the new protocol, I think, is this. The guy on the aisle just looked out at the aisle and breathed towards the aisle the whole time and I just look straight on, and in fact, most of the time, just have my head down breathing this way, and the guy in the window looked like he was like, <sighs> just trying to make the window foggy. Like, that's how we were. I don't know if that's the new protocol. They didn't tell us that, but um, I don't know. When, when you travel, When you travel, I get to travel a lot, which is a lot of fun. It's been a while, it was a weird year not traveling very much because, you know, I've been to Australia like every year for the last 20 years and to not go. And I had trips planned. I had trips planned to London. I had trips planned to Japan to even plant a church perhaps in Japan. Like there's some really stuff that was amazing and COVID, you know, shut it all down. But I have these rituals that I do before I travel. And You probably do too like you pack a certain way There's a certain way that you have to pack and and I've been doing this for a long time So there are certain things I like to do so I like to pack Everything I have in little bags that go in the big bag So I have a thousand little bags for every sort of thing So like you know the socks they have their own bag the underwear They have their own bag every single piece has its own bag the shirts everything my wife She doesn't pack like that. My wife just throws it all together Which is inappropriate? And it messes with my ritual because my bag looks perfect. I open it up. Everything's folded. Everything's nice. Her bag's like, she, she goes, you know, can you get the iron from the, from the hotel? I'm like, you can't use the hotel iron. I mean, you can, I suppose. But I pride myself on not having to do that. And it's the rituals that set that thing up. It's the rituals that make things work. It's the rituals. We're talking about rituals today, just so you know. We're talking about rituals. Because every faith tradition has rituals. Every religious belief system has rituals that imbue meaning into s- different things that we do, and they're vastly different for each tradition. We've got traditions, but I thought we'd go through just a few of them, and I wanted to throw some pictures up on this big wall to see what they look like. So, um, so here's the first one. I, you've maybe seen these guys before. This is called the goal, G-O-L, the goal, or they call it land diving, which is an ancient ritual performed by the Bunlip people in which men tie vines to their ankles, and jump head first from a tower. It's performed for the hope of a rich yam harvest, right? Which is something we can all, you know, identify with, (laughs) all right? So it's it's actually a religious ceremony, a religious ritual in which they do. And it seems weird, right, that you would just tie vines to yourself and run. By the way, this is the precursor to bungee jumping. You know that, like people thought that would be fun, except for the landing part. So let's figure out a way to land differently. So it seems like a weird ritual, but that's what this particular tribe does. Here's another one. Um, the next one is scarification. And I apologize if you're queasy, but I found some other pictures that were way worse and I backed it off. So um, this is practiced by the Shambi tribe of Papua New Guinea. Scarification is an ancient ritual and initiation tradition for boys entering manhood in which their skin is cut and scarred to represent the scales of a crocodile, right? Part of their animistic religion. And then this one's pretty intense if you've ever seen this one. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I know. That's horrible, isn't it? And it's huge behind me, isn't it? Sorry. It didn't look as bad on my laptop. I haven't even looked at it yet. Hang on a second. Oh, good gracious. That's way worse. So this is done in southern India, and it's known as eagle hanging, right, in, in recognition of the, of the Lord Vishnu. And what they do is they, they have some religious ceremony, and then they put these guys up, and they, they kind of parade them around town. You can get rid of it now, Wes. I don't think anyone wants to see that anymore. But rituals often seem strange to those outside the tradition, right? So if we were having if we were having church and I said hey that was amazing worship service that was so great listen we've got a few things we're gonna do now it's gonna be a little bit of a different church service what we're gonna do is some of you are gonna go up to the top we've got some ropes just tie your ankles and jump off like it's fine some of you we've got some hooks over here we're just gonna you know hang you up like it's fine and some of you we're gonna scar your skin like and you would think wait a second that's crazy that's not why would you do that I means that's That's abuse. That's horrible. You can't do that, right? Well, we have traditions within our faith tradition that might seem as strange to other people, right? And I think a good one is baptism, right? We love it when we baptize people. It's great, but could you imagine if you had no context for baptism and you weren't really sure what they were doing? And they said, you know, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're like, I don't know what those three things are. And then we dunk you and then bring you right back up. And you think, well, what's all that innate of? What is that really doing? Rituals only mean something to the people who, who understand the meaning and the context behind them. Right? Baptism, communion, foot washing. Even things like the things that we say in marriage. These particular rituals have meaning in our lives. And even if you don't understand the rituals that we do necessarily in church and through Christianity, we all have rituals in our lives that create meaning. Whether you believe it or not, you have rituals that tie yourself to your beliefs, how things should be. When I pack a bag, there's certain ways things should be. I believe that, and I believe that to be true. We do certain things in our faith tradition because they imbue meaning, and we all have rituals in our lives. Now, here's a ritual that I thought, I was thinking of one person in our congregation when I saw this picture, and I thought, this is a ritual that's fascinating. I'll throw it up there. This is the, the rally cap ritual. Right? If you're a baseball fan, you know when you want your team to start, start really hitting those balls, you take your baseball cap off, you turn it inside out, you put it back on your head because now they're going to play a lot better, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. Now, we can argue that wearing a rally cap doesn't really do much, but it actually does. It does at least three things for us. The first thing is that rituals give us a sense of belonging, right? some of you are hardcore right by and large we do rituals together baptism communion foot washing marriage we do these things together by and large you don't rally cap by yourself unless you're a really true fan and there's a few of you in here who are like i do it when i'm driving i'm driving listening to a game i flip my cap over and i do it because i'm part of the team the reason why you do that is because it gives you a sense of belonging You belong to something, a group of people who all are headed in the same direction, all believe at least in the same thing, even if it's just that we want our team to win, right? But it's not only that it gives us a sense of belonging, it also gives us a sense of action. I just did something, right? We're part of it. Now we're doing something. We're not just sitting on the sidelines. We're actually engaging. Remember, we're in this series called Christians where we're kind of, Christian, question mark, where we're kind of redefining what it means to be a Christian and re, recapturing, reimagining these things that we do so that we can imbue the same meaning that they had at the beginning of time. And, and man, when the disciples would do communion together, they would remember, but it's this action that they sat together, breaking bread, remembering who God was, remembering what he did for them. So it gives us a sense of belonging, it gives us a sense of action, but it also gives us a sense of value. Not only are we doing something, but we're doing something of value. When we engage in the rituals of our faith tradition, of which there's quite a few, it gives us this sense that We are doing something meaningful of value. And the same thing that we're talking about, these same things that come out of these rituals that we do in our lives, well, the same can be said about the intrinsic value of our Christian traditions as well. They offer belonging. They offer identity. They offer value and action. Or they can be life-giving sacraments that remind us of something more, or they can be empty rituals. Have you ever wondered why when churches announce that they're doing communion, they're often the emptiest weeks in church? That's why we don't announce it. We surprise you into communion. You're like, what? Oh, no, I got to eat in church today. Right? it's It's because rituals can be emptied of their meaning, and they can become just these rote things. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. But let's just take a baptism for a moment, right? I'm kind of bouncing around, I understand that. But let's take baptism for a moment, right? 1 Peter 3:21 speaks of baptism. It says this. It says, "And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience." But then he says what's really important. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why it matters. It doesn't matter that we dunk you in the water. It doesn't matter how long we hold you down. I'm a fan of like longer, because I think like, you know, make it count, right? Scare them just a little, then pull them out. I'm just kidding. Those are pastor jokes. We talk about that kind of stuff when we're hanging out together. Um, no, we don't. But that last phrase, it is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only reason that has meaning is because of what Jesus did right? Peter replied in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 38, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a text that has often been been misunderstood because there are some people in our tradition that have said, oh, if you're not baptized, then you're not forgiven. So baptism is tied in that actual, that ritual of baptism has to happen if it doesn't happen. And then there's been lots of theological conversations and lots of discussion of people like, well, what if somebody wasn't baptized? By the way, this is one of the ways that you end up getting to infant baptism, right? Let's just baptize them quick so that there's no chance that they're not baptized right? That's a misunderstanding of the ritual, I think. Because, and listen, I understand the meaning behind it for people of uh, of faith tradition that does that, because for them, it's part of their theology, and they want the best for their children. I get that. But theologically, when you think about it from scripture, if we take a ritual like that and just do the ritual, and then misunderstand the meaning behind it, it becomes a problem, because it's not the ritual that saves us. It is the meaning behind it that always has. The ritual is almost for us as much as it's for anyone else. When we baptize someone here, we baptize them because they're making a decision and they're doing it in community. And we are recognizing that decision and the metaphor of baptism, that ritual of baptism reminds us of Jesus going into the grave and then being brought out of the grave. That's why it has meaning. And that's important. It's important for us to know that. Because if you don't understand the meaning of what you do, you do a lot of things and you don't like it and you're frustrated by it, and you don't understand it, and after a while you're just going to stop doing it because it doesn't mean anything anymore. Right? Mark sixteen six, But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Baptism reminds us of this one truth. Right? Communion reminds us of this one truth. Everything we do, singing, worship, reminds us of this one truth. We belong to this truth, this value, this identity. Our tradition of baptism is a metaphor and a picture of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And our rituals, all of them, remind us of the centrality of Jesus to our faith. Because all of our traditions, all of our rituals point to Jesus, baptism, communion, foot washing, marriage, so forth and so on, they all point to Jesus. And you're like, man, all all of them? Do they all? Yeah, they all do. That's the reason why we do these things. But Seventh day Adventists have particular rituals as well, right? What are specific Seventh day Adventist rituals? Happy Sabbath? That's one of them. We do that. Happy Sabbath. Which is cool when you know it. And if you've never heard that word before, you're like, back at (laughs) you. Don't know what that means, right? But they want to, you know. How about uh, Adventist education? That's a ritual many of us have been through. Not all of us. Fewer and fewer, probably. How about this? Haystacks. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a ritual, right? And it can be good or it can be bad, depending on who's making the haystack. Right? I, I hated haystacks, which is, you know, I was, it's heresy, right? I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand haystacks. I thought they were just chips with a bunch of stuff on them which is exactly what they are. Um, But then I married my wife and we went to a potluck and she began to make haystacks in a way I've never seen before. The beauty and artistry of her haystack making changed my mind. You know what? If you don't know what haystacks are, they're chips and beans, then cheese, and if you put cheese over the lettuce, you're a sick person. And then a bunch of other stuff. That's all they are. And by the way, I tell the Chipotle over here all the time, stop putting rice at the bottom. Put chips at the bottom. And they look at me like, why? And I'm like, because Jesus. (laughs) That's inappropriate. You shouldn't have laughed. I shouldn't have said it, but you shouldn't have laughed. So we're both in trouble. Actually. A lot of what we do in Seventh-day Adventism is not ritual. It does not harken back to Jesus. It's just culture. So we gotta ask the question, is there a difference between rituals and culture, right? And yeah, there's a big difference between ritual and culture, right? There's a huge difference. And sometimes when you're growing up in a faith tradition, you don't know that because it's not really given to you as that, right? It's given to you as this is the ritual that comes from Jesus And if you don't do things this way and you don't, you know, you don't stop this or don't do this or do this and do and not do, like if you don't do these things, then you're not part of the great tradition of Christianity. The truth is there's not all that many rituals in Christianity. There's quite a, there's just a few. There are a lot of cultural things that we do in our faith tradition, which are great. And some of them are kind of weird. And all of that's okay. But understanding the delineation between the two is really important. Because, like, let's just take something as silly as worship, right? And I shouldn't say silly as worship, but let's take something that has been fought over like crazy and churches split over something as silly as worship, right? There's not one way to worship. The way that we worship at Crosswalk is not the right way to worship. We just like it. Are we clear? Yeah. And when somebody comes in and goes, I don't like it, I go, yeah, okay. That's it. That's it. You don't like it? I do. And that's, I'm in church. <laughs> bad. I haven't preached in a long time, all right? <laughs> Apparently, I got a lot of stuff that I need to just get out and say. <laughs> Apparently. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not, it's as deep as that. But I'll tell you what, whatever song you sing, whether you sing it in a Baroque style with a, you know, a harpsichord, whether you sing it in a hymn style with an organ, or whether you sing it in a rock style with, with the band that we have, if it's not pointing back to Jesus, it doesn't even matter. Right? It shouldn't even be. But that's cultural. Right? But we all baptize. Because that's a ritual that harkens us back to the remembrance of who Jesus is. We worship in a certain way, and you know what? In a decade, we might not. We might, might worship completely differently. And I'll be, the, I'll be the person who's like, you shouldn't do that. And my kids will look at me and be like, you're just an old man. And I'll be like, yeah, you're right. But rituals that last are rituals that are, are they're tied to the past, Right? And while we may not be worshiping the same way, or the music's not going to sound the same, or we maybe have different words to the songs that we sing, we are definitely still going to be baptizing. We're definitely still going to be doing communion together. We're definitely still going to be honoring God by the way that we come in communion and marriage and those types of things, right? Because these rituals tie us to Jesus, to the great tradition of Christianity, to a history of salvation that God has given His people again and again. But an inability to reimagine those rituals disconnects us with our future, So there's not one way to do communion either. Some of the best communions I've had have been very different than what we do in church growing up. I've told the story before about pizza and Mountain Dew communion that I had when I was a student missionary, one of the most meaningful and best tasting communions I've ever had. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It was good pizza, right? One time I was, I was teaching at Azusa Pacific University and we were doing communion for the students, the nursing students, and some came from a different tradition and they said, hey, we want to do in tincture, which I had to look up and figure out what it was. And it's when you, it's when you dip the bread into the, into the wine, into the grape juice, if you will. Um, <laughs> we can't even say it, can we? Into the wine, grape juice. <laughs> we're so programmed, that's so funny. He's grape cheese, Um, (laughs) just to be clear. Um, Anyway. So I'd never done it before. So I got, I got a certain kind of bread and, and we're doing this communion service. And it's really cool because all different faith traditions were there. And has, I had a friend of mine who was playing guitar and it's this really reverent moment, but I had gotten the wrong kind of bread. And so I'm holding this bowl, I'm literally holding this bowl of grape juice and they, they bring and they're coming from their tradition and they, and they take the bread and they break it. And it's beautiful, this is great. They're passing it to each other, this pre-COVID, they're passing it to each other. And they take the bread and they dip it in and the bread falls apart in the bowl. And the guy's like, (laughs) and so I look at the next person and they're like, okay. And by the time it was done, it was just a bowl of sickness. But you know what? It didn't change the meaning. I don't know why I'm stirring it. It, it. It didn't change the meaning at all because it was communion. And it recognized what Jesus had done for us. And a group full of people who had all different traditions who came from different traditions. One of the guys was Coptic. And he said, you know, in our tradition, we all drink the wine. And he didn't say grape juice. He said, wine from the same spoon. I was like, what now? I was like, do you get sick? And he's like, you know, I think it's a miracle. I've never gotten sick. I'm like, I think it's because you've been doing it forever and you all have the same germs now. No, it doesn't doesn't matter how you do some of these things. It just matters that you do them with the right intent and right purpose. But don't confuse culture with the sacrament, right? They're not the same thing. So we do things differently, and that's okay, and and we'll probably change those things as well. But also don't confuse the sacrament with the salvation, right? We don't baptize because we have to. We baptize because we want to. We don't do communion because we won't be bonded together in community. If we don't do it, we do it because it remembers who Jesus was. And when we do that together, we have a bond. We do these things because of the salvation, not for the salvation. And when you do them for the salvation, after a while, you begin to feel like, man, this is kind of empty. I wonder why. And after a while of it feeling empty, you begin to go, I don't even know if this means anything. And after a while of you not sure if it means anything, you don't do it anymore and you step away. Because nobody wants to do something that doesn't matter. And if you put too much meaning into the process and you forget about the actual meaning behind it, these things begin not to matter anymore. And it also becomes about us. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? This whole thing that we do, it's not about us. Because our action, however good, however holy, however sacred, is nothing compared to God's action towards us. And I've said this a great deal. Our faith is not about us. Rather, it is about what has been done for us and given to us. So as you come back to church, right, because this is a ritual that, that, that got stopped in the middle for 60, 61 weeks, whatever, We're coming back and we're regaining the ritual. We're reimagining the ritual a little bit. The question I have for you is what rituals give meaning to your life? And I want you to think about it. I want you to think about how you prepare to come and worship. How you prepare to come and be in community again. How you prepare to be engaged in the worship service. How you prepare to be engaged in community again. And then you got to ask yourself this. Do the rituals that we do here give you meaning And do they point or do they point to something greater? Because what we try and do in church every single week is transcend all of this so that we can remember who God is. The reason why we work so hard to make a worship service that seems seamless is so that you don't have to worry about anything but who God is in the midst of it. The reason why we want you to come here is because we want you to take a step away from the rest of your life, and Sabbath with us, and find out who God is, and see how He can heal your pain, see how He can remold your desires and your values, see how He can reimbue meaning into all those crazy silly things that we do. We have an opportunity coming back to reimagine the rituals and the spiritual actions that we take in our lives so that they are something more than they've ever been before. It's not just about coming back and getting back and singing songs and having great coffee. It's about more than that. And we have, we had this pause. Now we begin to begin on our own terms and we want those terms to be God's terms. So as you enter into this new season, this is my hope for us all. That we can reimagine the rituals in our lives, reimagine the spirituality that we are, are wanting to regain and recapture together in community. And that we will become a community that is even greater in its expression of love and its expression of Jesus than we ever were before. Friends, that pause just means we get to start again. And we can be more. We can express Jesus more profoundly by reconnecting with the meaning of the rituals. And of course, reconnecting with the body of Christ that sits here today. So thank you for coming back. It's, a, it's almost surreal to be in a room with people worshiping God again. But I also want to thank you for your faithfulness through our intro, because you continued to keep this church running, keep this church floating. And so as we are blessed to have the opportunity to almost relaunch this ritual that we do, I'd ask that you make it better and you think more intentionally about it than you ever have before. Because I believe that God is calling us to even greater things That been what He's already given us. And what He's given us has already been pretty great. So let's bow our heads today. God of grace, Lord of mercy, king of all, we submit ourselves before you again today, included in that are the rituals that we take into our lives, that we enact, not simply to be play actors, but so that we might reimagine the meaning that you've imbued into each and every one. And Lord, as we continue to worship, as we relearn how to be in community, may you make it better, sweeter, greater than it ever was before. We're so grateful for this gift of salvation that you've given us. And Lord, we want to live our lives in response to that. That is what it means to be a Christian. pray these things in your holy name, the name of Jesus, amen.